0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Twin Troopers Podcast. My name is Eric Dietz, and today I am interviewing Kurt Larson. Hello, Kurt. Hi. All right, so as you know, I invite you on here to give me your Imperial Assault tips for new players, experienced players, whoever. Uh, But before we begin that, I just want you to tell me, how did you get into Imperial Assault? Sure. Um... I think it came out like the end of 2014, right? I, it, yep, it did actually. So Jake told me that's when he got into it. Okay. so that's why I know the date.
1: Yeah, so I started uh, early 2015, trying out the campaign a little bit. Right. And uh, actually, at first, with just the corset, I kind of didn't really get into it. Mm. I didn't, you know, some of the rules didn't make a lot of sense to me, and with just the corset, there wasn't really enough stuff, so I didn't really get into it. I didn't try skirmish at all. Right. But um, after Worlds 2015, I saw people practicing their lists. There was more stuff out by then. There was, like, Rodians and Boba Fett and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hmm, that looks a little more interesting. And Hoth was, like, about to come out. Mm. You know, so there's, like, Leia and Wampas, HK droids and stuff. I was like, okay, that looks a little more cool. And I saw these uh, skirmish missions and stuff. So after Worlds that year, I started buying this stuff. So I started playing like the start of 2016. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm.
0: then I've been pretty all in since then doing skirmish. Yeah. And I think when I first bought it, I thought I would end up doing campaign as well. And I kind of had the same problem you did. Like in the first... I mean, I I don't know if everyone has this problem. But when I was first trying to learn the rules of the campaign, like, man, I, I just like got frustrated. There were just too many points where I would hit yeah. dead ends where I was like, oh... Now I gotta. I'm like looking in the rules book for it. It's like, oh, it's not in the campaign rules book. It's in the other rules book, or it's in the yeah. or it's in the starter learn to play rules book is where that rule is. It's Like, ah, oh, especially why, why? when it's <laughs> a whole group that's just learning the rules, it's kind of messier. Uh, when I came in later, I was playing with people who knew everything, so it was actually really easy to get started. You and know? that makes yeah. See, I kind of had the same problem too, where especially if you're trying to get, let's say, you have friends who aren't into the game yet, and you're trying to convince them to play the game. Yeah. Oh man, that first time if it's a total disaster in terms of rules and you're stopping all the time because you don't know what to do. That's rough. But obviously we're both here because we like skirmish. Mm-hmm. We love skirmish. Alright, so let's get into it. Let's start. So what was your first... What's the first thing? Do uh, you want to look at my notes? I like kind of just jot them down.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, as far as my first tip, it would be kind of knowing certain rules that are going to be kind of the bread and butter rules that you have to know to play at all, Uh, especially some of the weirder, sort of non-intuitive rules uh, related to timing and kind of line of sight stuff, Right. two that I think you need to know um, just like the back of your hand so you don't Mm -hmm. have to sit and think about them Um, so timing stuff um, there's a few windows that come up a lot where a lot of stuff is going on and you kind of have to do stuff in the right order or else Mm -hmm. you get messed up, so combat is going to be one of those you know, you have to do your declaration of the attack, and you add some dice
0: then, some stuff trigger then. Yeah, and I think that's a I think that's a really good point that you're about to say, and so I'm just gonna repeat it just for the sake of hearing it again, is this idea of, right, the phrase declare an attack. That is, that is like a term of art. It's a very specific trigger. Uh, and a very specific phrase, right, that you will see on command cards or on units' abilities, mm-hmm. right, where things happen when and you, you sh- officially do that. Yeah, and you need to know up front, oh yeah, I gotta use this card. Right away, if we start rolling, it's really too late and you've messed it up and possibly the whole thing fails or whatever. Exactly. And you and I, we're sort of talking about like, so for tools for the job, Mm -hmm. is a card that you need to play when you declare the attack. Yeah. So you can, you can like wait after the first roll or after you see the damage results and spend surges and things like that. You got to remember to do it right away.
1: Yeah. And it affects the strategy too because you have to say, I know I'm going to do this before I even see what the results are. Yep. So yep. I just have to plan that I'm going to need it or I don't need it yet or something. So you kind of have to think ahead for that. Right. Exactly. And I, oh, sure. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I was going to say, there's the declaration with stuff like tools for the job. Yep. Then you go into the re-rolls. And uh, after that is the modifiers where you add stuff like assassinate and most other abilities and then Surge's is completely after that, too. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, I mean, in most casual games, you have a lot of wiggle room where it doesn't super have to be and, 100% in order, but right. still and, you should be,
0: mm. and especially when you're getting into a higher-level tournament. You're going to have to be, or people are going to call you out. Absolutely, and I think, like, to your point, in when I first started... We didn't differentiate between any of this, right? We declare an attack. That was probably obvious. But then we just roll dice, and a lot of figures, right? Rerolls. Unlike, I want to say, next swing, right? Rerolls are pretty common for that game. But in this game, rerolls are, I would say, just a lot fewer. Like Mm -hmm. a lot less figures have it, and even modifying dice, like outside of a command card, right? You don't, you don't add surges. You don't add damage all that often. Yeah. So that you could go for a long time, honestly, playing a list. I, I would say, where you never think about the reroll dice step you never think about the modified dice step mm-hmm. because you're just rolling dice you're just going nuts right like it, it kind of doesn't Yeah. you don't need to think about it but i found to you know to your point one of the things that i picked up is some of the more seasoned players like what they will do is they'll say i declare an attack we'll roll our dice they'll say okay do you have any rerolls Do I have any re-roll, right? Ask each other, Mm -hmm. are we going to re-roll at all? Because those things are going to happen at the same time. Yeah. And then the, okay, no one's re-rolling, that part's done. Like, are you going to modify your dice at all? Am I modifying my dice at all? Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to be ready to slot into those windows that they're giving you those opportunities. We can
1: get into a little more detail on uh, one of my later tips, too, on the sportsmanship stuff. But... Yeah, I think it'll uh, come up. Yeah, because... Uh, you're going to have to give people an opportunity and not just rush ahead to the next step and then now they're like wait wait go back and
0: uh, you're right. messing each other up yeah so. and that definitely is a yeah. I I don't want to say it's like a big problem but right that happens sometimes yeah, it, does, it comes up yeah. it's good
1: to be ready to do it the right way
0: yeah and I think yeah even just going back though like understanding when your cards trigger when abilities trigger is really important absolutely you know in terms of because even now the first card that came to my mind was um, shoot I can't even remember what it is Smugglers um, On the Lamb Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Which is um,
1: before you apply modifiers. Right. Which implicitly means, like, right during or after rerolls. Yeah, after rerolls. And so basically, you have to yeah. be ready to say, Hold, Hold on. up. Hold yeah. up. I need to think about this ability. And yep. maybe that telegraphs that you have the card. Right. But still, you have to be like, Wait, wait, wait Don't do modifiers <laughs> or, or stop a second while I think about this. Right. Because if they do assassinate and you were about to play tool- uh, uh, on the land, you're yeah. like, Oh gosh, they already moved on to. I wasn't supposed to know that they played assassinate. You know, supposed to be before that. Yep, yep. And then now you're in a weird state.
0: So yeah. And so it's it's kind of interesting because it sometimes just understanding like the point of certain cards will also help you remember these things. Like yeah. Because I had a game with my wife where she had on the lamb with her list, and she doesn't play a lot like I build a list for, her and we just kind of have fun. Mm-hmm. But she she played on the lamb before we even rolled, and I was trying to explain to her how. It's it's actually a gift to the player who's playing it that you get to see what the role is. Cause I might roll really terribly, and then yeah. you don't need to play on the might, lamb. You might just not get... even have range or something. Yeah, right. You yeah. don't need to play it. You just get to you get to hold on to it for the next attack. But kind of so just kind of paying attention to when cards, like understanding in terms of well, this is supposed to be a right, I would even say tools for the job. This is a detriment to you, the player of the card, that you have to play it. You can't like play it yeah. in the modified dice step or things like that when you already know what the board looks like, right? You it might play be overkill end. or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just kind of understanding it in terms of how is it supposed to either benefit or hurt you? These restrictions yeah. might, might even help when you think about it on that end. Sorry, I took us way off. I took us off the. Rails <laughs> no, no, there. that's fine. Uh, from there, the end
1: around is the mm. other stage where you have a lot of stuff kind of going on simultaneously, and it's important to know. Uh, some of them are card effects, but also the mission effects and stuff. So, absolutely, the whole end around.
0: Uh, first, you do you draw your command cards. Is that so? I'm I'm gonna be very. I'm gonna like ask <laughs> you to. I'm gonna ask wrong. you to explain every part because actually, now that you're saying this, I just had this week of um, using. God, what is it? Black market. Yeah. And I was trying to. I was like, I don't actually know. Do I? Do I draw the card before? Do I draw my command card before black market? Is it the other way? Yeah. So if, and, and, if you know, I'll, I'm, glad, I'm happy yeah. Here.
1: So it should be unless I'm way off and telling people wrong information here. It should <laughs> That's be. That's okay. We're we're going <laughs> on a limb here. You draw your command cards hmm. first. Yep. Uh, and then you do all the other end of round effects. So we'll do the mission stuff first. Yep. Uh, like now on the Nal map, you're doing your crates and stuff at the end of the round. Yep. Uh, most of the points you get from missions are like right there at the end of the round. Then you go to person with initiative, does their end around effects, which is mostly command cards. Uh, yep. so it's going to be also like, boss regenerating or something. And then the person without initiative does their command cards, and then initiative transfers after that. I don't know if that's technically the end around or the start of the, no, the start around, but it'll be yeah. right after you do those other yeah. end around stuffs is when initiative switches. So that has a big effect on all those cards and other things you're doing at the end. Like you said, if you, if you're drawing the cards first, then it might give you an extra effect that you do right away, or something like that. And that's something right. you have to keep in mind. Um, if the if you're talking about something like Boss where he regenerates first, you have a window. If you have initiative, you're like, oh, maybe I can do. Off the top of my head, I don't remember what it... Gentleman inter- Terror or something. Maybe yeah, I can yep. get him before he regenerates. Or like a or, ferocity or something like Yeah, that. something yeah, like yeah. that. Or on the other hand, if I have an issue, if I have boss pool, well, at least he's going to regenerate before that happens. Exactly, you know, exactly. So
0: that's stuff you have to keep in mind too. Yeah, and maybe I should even start trying to do that more because I know I'm really... So right now, My <laughs> right now, so my attacking protocol is very straightforward of... I do, now. I do the thing where I say I declare an attack. Do you have any rules? Do you have any modifiers? Okay, we're done. Well, but my end of round protocol is basically like, well, I guess I'll draw a command card and then, whoa, well, what happens now, everybody? <laughs> yeah. Do you have any end around command cards? Me, no. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, kind of like we were saying with the attack, they're kind of rare effects. They don't come up with most units. It's true. It's not it's true. that many command cards that let you get like an attack or something at the end of the round. But when mm-hmm. you have one, you really need to know. Because there are some cases where it will affect things. And I, the mission effects are a big one, too. Because uh, off the top of my head, there's some where... Not where you just get points, but where other special things suddenly happen. And that can have an effect on what... It's a command card? Uh, a command no, card? like some of the oh. uh, mission things that go with the map. Some of the, and oh. I don't have an example off the top of my head, but they aren't always just points. They do have things that could oh, but so tactically wait. affect what you're doing. So I mean, like on NAL HUD right now, you drop the crates from the one mission at the end, before you do the command cards. And so that could affect... I mean, gosh, you do, like, call the vanguard. Could, that maybe just start around, Could but you pick them up? Could you pick them up? I yeah, if you, if you had something that gave you movement points at the end, like General and you could pick up a crate that was just dropped. Interesting. Because the crates drop first. Yeah. And so you have to keep that in mind. Again, reason? it's kind of an edge case, but
0: it can come up, you know? Well, and sometimes I wonder... Well, so this map's out of rotation now, but on ISB... To your stations, right? The station, oh yeah, should sta- do damage. You the stations kill dealt damage and now that we're even talking about this if I had a station and you had a station and my station would kill your fi- let's say it would remove your figure from yeah. your station. Now it opens up the line of sight for that attack Well, for or, the next one. Or I'm just even saying like if my station would have killed your figure on your station, what order... Like, does, oh, my, yeah, does yeah. my station's damage trigger before your station, and do you still get it? Yeah. Or do those happen simultaneously? Now that I even, I'm happy that map's out of rotation, because I don't know the answer. We don't and really need to worry about it all that yeah, much, but... it depends on the wording, because you
1: probably do the person with initiative first. That's what I would think, too, but, but if it's worded in a certain way, it might not matter if the unit dies. You might have already got to trigger your points and stuff so yeah exactly we would have to look that up but (laughs) yeah and but yeah but knowing that exactly is going to be important
0: if you're doing a mission like that because it's definitely going to come up at some point right i think that's a good place to kind of like even if we don't have the answer to the isb headquarters like yeah it doesn't matter like just even for the person listening to this like planning ahead figuring out what's going to happen at the end of round like you said right now for now how to like get a sense of when those boxes drop yeah awesome
1: The last sort of rules thing I wanted to go into was the line of sight stuff, because I think that's kind of the most... It's one of the, I think, one of the more non-intuitive rules where you you think, oh, I can sort of eyeball it. It's not always as easy to eyeball as you think. You know, there's several weird edge cases that I think most people know. Like Mm. when you get up to a wall that's only along an edge, it's not a full space. Yep. You know, you can do that sort of look around the corner, 180 thing, which doesn't make physical sense to me, but that's how it works, you know, you can plan yeah. for that. yep, yep. Um,
0: yeah, that's a hard one to figure. That's a, that's always a hard <laughs> one to figure out. Yeah, it's something
1: that might not make sense at first glance, but you kind of have to learn the rules and say, oh, yeah, there's these weird line of sights that people can get that I wasn't planning for, right? Yeah, and, um, yep, absolutely. If you're trying to sort of eyeball if something's going to have line of sight, uh I mean, basically, in general, it's like, it's really easy to get line of sight, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's not uh, it's not easy to hide from someone who's trying to get line of sight. But like, if you want to eyeball it really quick, like usually whenever you're in the same, if you want to think of it as like rows and columns, yep. if you're straight in the same column as someone, and there's like anything in between, you probably, <clears throat> probably cannot see them if there's something in between, right? Because you'll just end up drawing your lines, along the edge, and you'll never get two corners, Absolutely. right? So those are pretty easy to eyeball. And then most other cases,
0: though, you probably need a laser yeah, to double-check, like, do I have two corners? I will definitely say a laser is very nice in this game, too. And especially when someone's learning the game, I think it, it really helps when you're trying to explain line of Yeah, line. for sure. But there, yeah, I would definitely say, I think, one, I think one of the best points you made is that just understanding that... Unless you're really tucked behind a wall, it's so one of one of the intuitive mistakes that I would ma- I made when I started this game is in your mind, right? There's a lot of there's even a lot of moments in Star Wars, right? Like think of Luke and Han when they're down the hallway in the cell block in yeah. New Hope, and they're, they're sort of in a, a little cranny. Well, it's they're, not they're, and they're and they're on the they're like behind a wall, but they're looking around the corner, right? Yeah, and they are theoretically safe in that spot, but right, in Imperial assault, anyone <laughs> can step into the hallway, and if you're just on the corner. Like that's line of sight, right? They're, yeah. they're seeing your two side They're seeing your two sides, and that's like yeah, it's not a safe place to be. If they're, make they're not sense.
1: straight on, you know, they can step out a single square, and now they see two corners, like really easy. Exactly, so, exactly. Uh, and like I think, I think the the weirdest part of the measuring that people I think forget to check or don't know to check that ends up giving you a line of sight is when you can measure From or to a back corner that goes through the space because you don't think, oh, I'm just going to measure the front ones, all right? Yeah. You can do that back one, and a lot of times that gives you a real, like, oblique
0: angle that ends up actually getting two corners. Absolutely. And that's, and I wanna, (laughs) I feel like that's pretty few. Those cases are not that. Often where you have to do that, but occasionally. They I, they come up,
1: I think, more yeah, you're more often right. than people
0: think, because I think people forget to check them a lot.
1: Yeah, you're probably and some, right. And you can be surprised. Oh, I thought he was like behind these two guys. You'd never be able to see him. Oh, no, I can actually just see right in there. It's no problem at all. Yeah. He doesn't get any bonus for it. Yeah. Uh, and I think you kind of have to know how to eyeball it real quick. If you're using the laser... You know, the whole time your opponent sees what you're looking for. Yeah. If yeah. you don't want to give that advantage, you kind of have to just look down and count the squares. Uh, the thing I do real quick, like when my opponent is moving their stuff and I'm trying to l- spot out some places, it's almost like a calculating a slope in like high school math. Right. Uh, it's basically <laughs> like, it's like a rise and run type thing. I go, okay, from this corner, mm. and I go, I go from like the most extreme edge, if that makes sense. What's like the worst angle? And then if I have better angles than that, then I know I have multiple corners, right? So yeah, yep, yep. I go from the outside corner and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go up one square and over two. I'm gonna go up one and over two mm. and I'm gonna go straight to those corners. Yep. It's usually one and two, or maybe I'll go up one over three. And so I go that straight line between those corners. Because when it's corner to corner, you can see it really easy. I know I'm going from this corner to this corner. I go over two and I go over two and over two oh, I hit a wall before I got there, so I'm not going to have more right. corners. Or, oh, I see his whole side, and I'm going to do an inner arc and see more than that. So then you can real quick see. That's like the easiest. Yeah. Uh, it's a really interesting way to think about it. I don't think, I ever, <laughs> I don't think I've ever gotten yeah, that route. Right I don't know if it makes sense the way I'm explaining it, but if you don't want to sit there and pull out the laser, that's like the easiest way to eyeball it. It doesn't work in all cases because there's weird angles, but yeah. that helps you on sort of really simple shallow angles. So you can do that to kind of eyeball
0: it real quick right i, and I think this i think this is another good point to bring up though just in terms of because it you will be measuring line of sight essentially the whole game oh yeah so, so once once you get good at it right it's and i i think i brought this up when i was talking with jake too but not knowing even just rules in general that you need every game and every interaction like it's it kind of ends up being a death by a thousand cuts if it takes yeah. a long time to figure those out because over the course of the game right at each individual instance is not much but over time yeah, and yeah. so yeah, that stuff's gonna come up, so you have to know it Absolutely. like the back of your hand.
1: Yeah, that was good. What yeah, was so I guess my next point kind of ties into that a little bit, but sort of the strategy of planning out. Uh, it's I'm gonna start with planning out, especially your deployment, your starting turn. But um, every turn, you're gonna have to be thinking sort of a turn ahead mm. and when you're thinking about who can get shot, who can shot what, who can shoot what <laughs> uh, happens. Yeah, you, you kind of have to think, okay, well, it's not just where they are. They're going to take a move of four spaces they're gonna, and yep. shoot, and they're going to have line of sight from here, and then I'm, I'm not going to be hidden at all. So you have to think way ahead for stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and I think that's really difficult for... I mean, that's kind of the point of the whole game, I suppose. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, I
1: still have trouble with it a lot, especially when you get into activation order and stuff. It's like... Okay, I'm going to go with this guy, and he's fine now. He's fine for this turn. Oh, oh shoot, next turn they're going to move again, and now I'm out in the open. Yeah, so. yeah.
0: It, it gets very... That can get very difficult. I, I would say, like, we should, let's start on this... Um, I wonder if you have any thoughts on how to... Like, how do you start deciding... I think every new player has this problem, and I still have this problem, but, like, how am I going to deploy in my deployment zone? Yeah. And maybe there, there, maybe there are no... I think it's, it's only gotten harder. It's hard. hard. It's only gotten harder <laughs> with Hera now, too. Like, yeah. That you free movement point. Now I... I'm even more of a wreck when I deploy. I'm just like, well, I guess everything move one.
1: Yeah, I don't know. and you've got stuff like the new map, um, the now how to swamp lands. There's cases where you're like, okay, I'm going to move. They're all going to get their one moving point, and oh, well, this guy's kind of behind a wall, so he's going to have to move out diagonally, but then that blocks this guy, so going to move diagonally here, and you yeah. mess up your own guy, too. So yeah, yeah. You have to have that figured out ahead of time. Um, kind of like Absolutely. you're saying, if uh, you're spending time thinking about it every match that's really time that you can't afford to sit and figure it out. And right, if you're right. thinking about it last second, honestly, at least the way I think about it, I'm probably doing it wrong. If I mm. haven't figured it out ahead of time, you know, yeah. I'm going to put myself in a bad spot.
0: Well, and it, especially even to, like, for that we're bringing this up, it is one of the few... I think you said this before we started, but it is one of the few things that will be a constant. For There, yeah. aren't, there aren't many <laughs> constants in Imperial Assault when you play, but that will be one thing that the deployment zones are defined before you start, and there, yeah. and there is no interference. You're going to get one of the two on every map. That's just the way it is. And that's kind of a real advantage there. I think a lot of
1: strategy planning is hard to do. You don't know what your opponents are going to bring. Yep. It yep. depends on the mission and what your opponent does and all this stuff. But the first turn, you're not shooting at least those first few activations. Yep. So Pretty you need shipping. to know, okay, at least I'm going to start like this. You know, you have three maps. You have two missions for each map. If I'm going to go for this objective, I need to have... Well, the only moves four, so he needs to be in the front so he can get to this objective. Right, right. Uh, on most of the maps, not on and Nal now, but on most of them, there's a door you have to open, and it's like, okay, well, if I move four and open the door, I'm stuck mm. out in the open. Uh, who can get to the door and open it? And man, I love it. Like a smuggler is great for that, but you you have to have that figured out. You have to say, who's going to open the door? Uh, when I'm are so they going to do it? And uh, you know, where do they have to be to have the speed to get to it? And where are they, are they
0: going to be able to get behind a wall after that? You have to have that all figured out. Right, right. And I, I, another example I was just thinking of, too, is, like, sometimes it can. I think it can be very um, unit-specific. It's mm-hmm. so like, for me, I'll almost always start, like, if I'm running a Jedi Luke, or even a Captain Tarot, both of who are... Right, they can move very far and still be threatening even in round one, yeah. and especially round two. But for me, like, even if I... Let's say I want to exert some pressure on an opponent, even if I'm not planning on being, like, actually attacking, but if I want to exert pressure on an opponent... Like I'll make sure that Jedi Luke is front, so when he gets that hair move, he's gonna move up one, and then Gideon, right? I'll give him another two to move yeah. forward, and he's he's still safe from my perspective. But right? You as my opponent, you're thinking like, like does he have for, Does he have urgency and force rush? Like, can he get? Is he going to dive mm-hmm. me right now? Like, does he have yeah. Skywalker this round? Like, there's a lot of things that might come up that, right? You can by positioning a figure correctly, in that opening space. Like you can it it sets up kind of your whole strategy. Exactly. Or or sometimes, in my experience, right, you might do things like where, for Obi-Wan is a good example. This is mm-hmm. just because I've been running a rebelist recently, but I have no qualms about him starting pretty far in the back because there's there's essentially no case in round one where he's going to move an attack Yeah. In round one. He's always, yeah, yeah. always going to double move. So in a lot of ways, right, I just have a lot more, I know I have a lot more flexibility with him and he can be at the back of my deployment zone as opposed to, right, if I, if I have a range or something. They might be able to move and attack, so there might be some value in thinking about: Do I want them further up in the deployment? Yeah, um, you know, for sure. It's those little things that you know. Sometimes it's unit specific. Sometimes it's map specific. Mm-hmm. Of counting your points to counting how far it is the terminal. I've definitely made. Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: The terminal, the door, the terminal, and the objectives are like yeah. the first three things I think about. Because if you're one square away. You could be completely screwed up. Yep. Uh, I, it, it takes an action to open the door, and I'm not next to it. I have to double move. Well, I guess I'm not opening the door, and then now your whole strategy is messed up, and it's going to be like dominoes at Absolutely. that point. So you have to have that figured out way ahead of time. Yeah. And like you said, specific units make a big difference too. Um, you know, a big one, everyone's going to be focusing and getting free movement and stuff at the start. Well, you know, C-3PO has to be adjacent to the guy you want to focus. You have to know that up front. Yep. Gideon needs line of sight to the people he's focusing moving, so you have to know up front who he's going to be using those abilities on. Exactly, you know, exactly. If you figure it out last second, it's going to be a mess, and it's not going to come together, and you're going to be behind a step from the very start of the game.
0: Yeah, and and a lot of times like it probably isn't determinative on the game itself, but it's sometimes those little things, right, can just... Yeah. Like missing it, and I think a lot of players forget that too. But right, like in this game, missing missing an opportunity to attack like one time can can swing a whole game, yeah. right? Because that might you be don't a, have that many attacks. Exactly, I think, and I think that's see that, and we're not even necessarily talking about that, but <laughs> but like making the point that right, most games are three rounds about. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's about where I cap out three to yeah, four, maybe four. Four is a long one for me personally, normally, but. Three, you're playing three rounds, and if round one you're not attacking, right? That leaves basically, you have two rounds of attacks. Every figure yeah. is getting two attacks, maybe. So, and yeah, it's important yeah, to take advantage of it. I think
1: that kind of gets into the next point, then, is sort of. So, I mean, once you have your first round basically planned out, you know what you're going to do your first round. It's easy. Um, you can be thinking and watching your opponent and sort of formulating, okay, well, after this, after I get to this door and I do these things that I already have planned out then I need to be adapting to my opponent. Yep. And so then at that point, you're kind of thinking uh, a whole round ahead. And there's some different factors that come up. Uh, one that I often forget to plan for, but I think is important is planning for initiative. You know, it's it's not <laughs> yeah, 100% yep. guaranteed there's take initiative and stuff. But if you... Uh, man, I especially like to le- like to use deep via scheme, and that helps so much for that planning. Oh, it but, great, yeah. Yeah, if it's like, okay... I know I'm going to be in the deployment I want, and I know I'm going to ninety percent. I'm going to have the initiative. Turn two, then turn one. I'm going to be setting up to take advantage of that initiative and be aggressive. Right. Or if I don't have Devious Scheme and I ended up with initiative the first turn, they're going to be doing that to me. So I need to be setting up defensively that first turn, and then get ready to have initiative on the third turn, probably.
0: You know. Yeah, and that's such a big like. It's it's great that we're talking about this because it's such a big part of this game is understanding. And this is like something, whether you like taking initiative or not, is why it's so powerful is that the ability to interrupt the expected turn order. Right? Yeah. Because you can tra- completely throw the plans out the window, basically. Exactly. Mess them up. Because it, uh, a lot of the game, at least from my perspective, right, is like, and like and what you're talking about, right? Planning that round ahead, anticipating, like, okay, well, this weak quake is going to be able to move four He'll have mm-hmm. a shot down this hallway. So if I don't position myself in it, if I position myself here, he can't get me this round. And then, right, like if a take initiative gets dropped, it's like, oh, okay, you couldn't get me this round, but now I am at threat because now he's yeah. just going to move attack me the next round. Yeah. He's safe. Yeah. It's critical to plan for
1: that. And at some point, I mean, you can't be perfect about it. If you just exactly. say, I need to be two turns away from him shooting me, then you're not shooting anything at all. So you just kind of have to risk it and kind of say, oh, well, what's an okay risk to do? Yep. Uh, the other part that the planning affects a lot is the. Activation order within a turn, uh, which is always so hard to decide. Uh, oh, so I, I don't necessarily have good advice, but you have to know who needs to shoot right away this turn, who needs to run away right away this turn, exactly. and prioritize based on that. And I end up in a lot of situations, honestly, we're <laughs> like, ah, dang it, I needed this guy kind to of shoot, but now this other guy's in a bad spot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I didn't
1: plan ahead to make them both be in a good spot, so I have
0: to just deal with it now. You know. Yeah, and and I don't even know if there is like necessarily a good, hard and fast rule about those types of situations, yeah. right? Like that's every every scenario is going to get dictated. Is, you know going to kind of be dictated. The best mm-hmm. the best things I usually try and accomplish is if I can force if I can force my opponent to have to move somewhere unsafe to remove something of mine. Yeah, that's about that's about the best. It's like a very good thing if you can accomplish yeah. it, right? Because just kind of removing those things. Moving so, someone's figures that, yeah. in response to removing yours. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so like you were saying, when you're doing that planning, it comes back to sort of the line of sight and range estimate. You have to be able to say, okay, I know... I mean, they're either going to probably move out to and shoot and then move back. So yep. the current space isn't really their line of sight. They're going to be able to move to. That right. runs up their line of sight a lot. Or if they're being really aggressive, they'll move four or five and shoot from a whole different spot and they can probably see anything. So that... Yep. If you're
0: planning an eyeball on those line of sights, so you have to consider that extra turn and how that'll affect it. Yeah, and a lot of times, yeah, see, I think that's really interesting. There's, like, so much to say about this in terms <laughs> of planning around ahead. But, right, I guess you could even back up and say, okay, like, for melee figures, right, much simpler to plan around, right? Yeah. You know, sands a Force Rush or an Urgency or yeah, something, something that, like that that bumps them up. But, right, they're, generally you can play around, like, a Gamorrean Guard or, an Ob- I just say Obi-Wan because he's usually the biggest victor, yeah, yeah. victim of not being able to catch up to someone. Like, they're easy enough to play around. Um, so, yeah, like, that's part of it. But, yeah, I think you make a good point of, preferably, I think most people would like to do the move to, shoot, move back to, mm-hmm. if they can get away with it, right? Yeah. And so
1: if you've planned ahead and say, well, I know he's going to do that.
0: Like you said, you can be a little further out of line of sight. Now they have to come out, and then hopefully you can take advantage of that if you plan that well. Right. And a lot of that, and I think even all this comes just back to... Right, that's kind of what. this is why I like this game is that the objectives, right, really let you kind of try and manipulate those to force those types yeah, of engagements. Yeah, for sure. So even like in uh, Anchorhead Cantina now is that what they call it, Anchorhead Cantina. Yeah. Right. If you're on the top of that map, mm-hmm. on the one where I think it's see, I don't know what the name of the map, what the name of the mission is, but where you pick up, there's three crates. Yeah. And if you pick them up and bring them to the appointment zone, right? If you start on that top side, you can actually sit in a pretty conservative spot because you have so much freedom. To try and yeah. grab those crates, it's and, hard and for just them start, to get you, to it. and well, they you can't can grab it when you want. If they move to them, they're they're basically at risk, right? Mm-hmm. And you can do the move to shoot, move back to to a safe spot. But if they don't do it right, you can just start grabbing crates. Don't put your own units at risk. You can wait, like you can you can afford to wait. They can't really afford to wait in this. Yeah, which is, and you can sort of plan to take advantage of that.
1: Especially like that map can easily turn into we're shooting down this little hallway at each other. Yeah. there isn't like a ton of strategy there it's like well I can shoot the guys that he left out for me to shoot and I'll leave these guys out to get shot Right. but if it's like okay now he's got I don't know a smuggler or something gonna grab these patrons and talk to him okay now I need to adapt and if you are adapting to that last second you might be kind of uh, messed
0: up right. if you planned and put yourself in a position to deal with it then you'll be a little better off yeah I think that was an interesting discussion. That was Yeah. It's really hard to again, I think you're definitely spot on. It's hard to formulate really solid rules yeah. other than trying to understand, you know, like understanding turn order, keeping track of what has already activated and what hasn't. Mm-hmm. I think is important. And then I guess I would sort of say like and we we talked about this a little bit, but understanding like what are where are the line of sight? Like what are the line of sight options, like attack options are there for every, you know, your opponent's figures yeah. on the board.
1: A lot of the calculations get really complex like the other thing that goes into (laughs) it is like knowing the dice right like if you can really quickly estimate okay here's the ranges um i i can't sit and do it for all my opponents guys but for mine i you know i need to at least know the minimum and maximum on each die and then i can plan okay well you know on these guys green green uh like six is gonna be the max and you and averages are hard to do but like the Generally, they're going to be on the low end on yeah. on these dice. The the right, high end right. uh, on the accuracies are like pretty unlikely to roll. So you usually have to say, okay, it's going to be less than half of the max or whatever. So yep, I'm yep. going to be need to hear to
0: get out to there and to actually get in range, you know? Right, right. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, I think we're we kind of <laughs> we're like soft on it, but I, again, I think it's like a soft topic just in general because yeah, is, it, it is. It's, it's all so kind of vague and it changes a lot. Oh, and
1: the the other thing I want to say on it, too, uh, when it comes to the activation order, is whoever goes first is not moving for the rest of the turn, so you really have to plan, okay, they're going to be taking a lot of shots if I left them out. Yeah, if you leave them
0: out, So you really have to make sure you plan for that, too. Man, I don't think I've ever thought that explicit statement (laughs) to myself, but that's like a really important rule, actually. Like, Especially if you just have a figure that you know the move they're gonna if they want to attack this round the move they're gonna have to do is they have to move and sit out in the open Yeah. so like holding them for a while is right the right play yeah
1: I mean it's great if you if they took out a figure at the start of the turn this happened to me a lot of worlds where I rushed them with Onar and Vinto right. and I wiped a couple figures off like right away at the start of the second round I'm like ah oh, now I'm way ahead it feels good Uh but, and you know and the reality is then they're out in the open so weak ways are probably gonna kill them after that so you have to be
0: okay with that basically yeah. you know yep you know, uh, and now I, I even want to just bring up one more before we move off this. I want to bring mm-hmm. up another example that is very specific to this situation, uh, right? But for Jabba's Palace, I played mm-hmm. against a lot of elite rangers on that map. Sure. And a lot of them, a lot of the players that I would play against would um, start by, they'd focus their rangers mm-hmm. right at their door because essentially, and this is what, if you ever play against rangers on this map and you open your door, you'll probably find out really quickly that you're going <laughs> to die really, like, really fast. Yeah. Especially um, with the focus. They have, like, Almost unlimited range; they don't care at all at that point. Yeah, they basically have unlimited range and a ton of damage and pierce. But I found, like for that example, like in terms of thinking ahead, if they, like let's for lack of a better word, post up on the door, Mm -hmm. and you shift the bulk of your forces into that map area, into that little maze, is what I meant to say. Yeah, into the maze. They are so in round two, uh, since they only have four movement, it's actually pretty difficult for them to move and attack into the maze because there's like a lot of block line of sight there. Yeah, so much. But so you can actually, like, really take advantage of that, because that means that if you didn't open the door to them round one, mm-hmm. they can't attack. And if they didn't move, really, that means that round two, you're also free of any, basically, ranger attack. And they're, right? Yeah. They're 12 points to your opponent's list. And just by planning and shifting where the battle's going to take place, knowing their options, their movement options... Yeah, you, you
1: really kind of gain a tempo on them, because they're adjusting, and you're
0: using your whole list to kill a portion of their list. Hopefully, you know, if you yeah. did it right... Yep. Um I mean it's never guaranteed, but right. Yeah, just, yeah. Just those ideas of understanding, like, well, okay, it's they can't really, right? They don't have access to this, and that map's kind of a special case, right, where it's pretty hard to access that area that i'm describing yeah. the maze from where they would be yeah. sitting in this scenario and it's
1: really hard to eyeball i've had cases on that same map where i thought i was doing that <laughs> and then you know oh there's actually a weird line of sight where you can snipe between these two walls and yep, I'm yep. like oh well i'm still at 11 range i'll be fine oh no they just killed your smuggler <laughs> and you don't have that objective thing anymore yeah so that can happen if you didn't plan it right <laughs> okay i've kept us on this topic okay. for so long
0: um, now we're going to shift gears a little bit. Yeah.
1: Because we're going to go into
0: some fun stuff, I think. Yeah, I I wanted to talk about painting a little bit. Which I think is a big point for a lot of... I think a lot of new players at least have the... If you see other players' painted figs... Figs. <laughs> no, if yeah. you see other players' figures that are painted... I, I think most players are motivated to do it, even if they... Because yeah. I was one of these. I'd never painted anything in my life. And when I started playing this, I was like, oh be so cool to have some stormtroopers right to add some flavor yeah it's obviously it's not a
1: strategy thing but it's a very essential part of the game mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. I'm coming into these uh, all these fancy flight games as a uh, miniatures guy having done 40k way back in the day right and uh, I want to paint cool stuff I don't paint that many I don't get around to them fast but like having them painted is so important to me and I, I think you've said in other episodes like it's not required at all. People no. are not going to make fun of you no, for no. having unpainted stuff. Like most people probably will have unpainted stuff. But for me, ugh, I would be embarrassed to bring unpainted stuff. Ooh. If I'm going to a tournament. Yeah. For a casual, a casual game, is America's I have to try stuff out. But for a tournament, for me, I have to have all painted stuff. I like that. Um, that leads me to not always take the best list, uh, <laughs> but I've got to have them all painted. Um, it's just a fun part of the game for me. I, th- I think Fantasy Flight actually could do a little better job of sort of marketing it this way. They don't ever show painted minis in the advertising and stuff. Um, yeah, that actually, that's actually one thing that's kind of neat about Legion that was just announced. Yeah, they actually game. show them painted, and yep. I think that's a really good idea for marketing. Um, but yeah, for me, doing the modeling and having them painted up and look cool is definitely like a very fun part of the game
0: so yeah so just to get into i was even yeah. just gonna like ask like how you think someone should start because basically echoing my experience when i first started to try painting i went to like the reddit there's like a reddit miniatures painting mm-hmm. page and i went to like there how to start and there's all these options there's brush suggestions yeah but to some degree, over time, I, I was definitely at my point where, and you'll see people who say like, "Oh, Citadel paints are the best," and some people say like, "Oh, you can use Vallejo, it's fine." And mm-hmm. in this scenario, but they're like the pig. There's less pigmentation, or right. Yeah. There, there'll be phrases, there'll be things that I don't, nec- I didn't necessarily understand. Yeah. And so I basically, when I started, I was just like, I guess I'm just taking a chance. I bought some brushes. I got some. Mm-hmm. Citadel paints to start with some of my which I eventually I think figured out that I did not need to only buy Citadel paints. Yeah. In in my personal opinion, I mean I'm so I'm sure everyone yeah. has their thoughts but, but just and getting I, started. I
1: think ultimately that is the way you have to do it. There's mm-hmm. a, I, I think painting has a lower barrier to entry than people might realize. So I definitely encourage people to get into it and there's a super high ceiling. Oh, yeah. I, I like the paint jobs <laughs> I do. But, um, I mean, there were some people at Worlds who absolutely blew me away with how professional their paint jobs looked, and I'm never gonna be at that level, honestly. But yeah, yep. I think, ultimately, to get into it, it is gonna be trial and error, and there's not much you can do about that other than you just kind of have to put the time in. Uh, and, you know, if, it, if it's not fun for you, th- then it's not gonna be fun, honestly. But I think it's, I think it'd be more fun than people realize uh, like I just like to put on an album or a podcast or something and then paint and it's nice and relaxing,
0: you know Oh, absolutely. Uh, I was gonna ask you um, if you have any like things you learned You know, over the course. So like for example yeah. For example, I would say when I started I bought a lot of Citadel paints mm-hmm. to go along So if we haven't mentioned Sarastro yet, but is that how you pronounce his name? That's how I pronounce Sarastro? it. Sarastro? Sure. Yeah, so yeah, he's Definitely
1: a good starting point. He has really good videos that show a lot of detail, and they're
0: super good paint jobs. Yeah, so like when he I... Can t- teach you a lot of techniques and stuff. Right, so when I started, I followed his, for maybe like the first three or four figures he has, followed him step mm-hmm. by step, got all the supplies he recommended. Um, but you'll probably realize, everyone will probably realize, that gets expensive really fast. Yeah. And especially because he is very, very... Like gives a lot of attention to detail, mm-hmm. so you might own. Let's say you own a purple like paint already. Mm-hmm. If the art for a different figure with purple in like their character, if that purple is slightly different, he's gonna suggest you buy a different purple. Yeah, and that right, that's that. Those were that was basically when I started asking questions of like because I was buying like my third brown and I was like my third shade of brown. I was yeah. like. I don't know if I'm convinced I need a lot more brown. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about it. I, I'm never
1: going to hesitate to recommend watching his videos. They're so... Okay, yeah. So first they, of all, let me, so don't good. let me downplay it. They're amazing. Yeah. But as a complete beginner... I mean, so he can show you techniques that you don't know about. Well, that's good for a beginner. Right. But at the same time, he you take a, a little bit with a grain of salt because he does, he does do very complex paint jobs. He does a lot of layers. He does a lot of colors. Like you said, he says you should use these very specific colors. And uh, once you get into it and get a little confidence, um, you can do a lot simpler paint jobs. You can do not the exact color and it'll still look pretty good. Yeah. And um, if you find his videos intimidating, I think you can step back and say, okay, I can do this simpler and save some money and save some time and have it work
0: better for me. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and even my my kind of advice, if you're brand new now, would be instead of going the way I did where I bought, right, I think most people would probably start with a stormtrooper. Yeah. probably what they start paying. Mm-hmm. Um, I would even suggest I bought, I ended up buying, this was after I bought a bunch of citadels, but I bought a, there's like Vallejo has these squeeze bottle ones. Mm-hmm. And it's you for, I think, like 20 or 25 bucks, you get, I think, like 12, 12 or oh, 16 yeah. colors or something. Yeah, one of those sets of paints is a good place to start. Absolutely. And because you can, there are a lot of figures that you can pretty much take care of, right? Again, if you're watching Sarasta videos, you can ex- he's going to suggest very specific mm-hmm. um, colors for some characters. But there's a lot that are, they're, they're going to be fine for the most part. Yeah.
1: And I think what you'll see um, when you start buying paints, I guess let me start by saying, I like the Citadel ones a lot. I'm used to them. I think Vallejo and Army Painter get used a lot. Uh, Do not buy testers. Like if you go to Hobby Lobby, if that's the first place you think to go to buy stuff, I think a lot of people will. They're gonna have testers on the shelf, and it's like first of all, it's it's oil based, not water based, so you have to Mm -hmm. use turpentine to clean your brush, and it's awful. It's the worst. It's like really (laughs) thick consistency. It's gonna look really bad. They're probably a gloss finish, so those are for like painting model cars and stuff they're probably like metallic too uh those are not for imperial assault you really want to go to uh a gaming store and like i think Citadel's the easiest because that's probably the common
0: yeah and they're um, definitely the most well represented yeah the and they're stores. just
1: the ones i've always used so yep. i felt comfortable with them but i know like vallejo and stuff are, are good too um and when you are buying Citadel, the other thing you're going to have to look at, they do have different kinds of paints. You don't want to go, oh, this looks like white. I'm just going to buy it. so looks and, like the color I need, yeah. Yeah. So they break it down into, I'm, I think I'm like, going to get it a but like, it's like base, base layer, high. oh, yeah, uh, highlighting or dry brush, whatever they call it. Yep. And then they have um, washes and special effects. And yep. uh, the dry brushing ones, especially ones I... I guess you're supposed to use them for highlighting. I have always done highlighting and dry brushing with just regular liquid paints. And me, they're, too, they're, me too. Their highlighting, their dry brushing paints are like not a liquid. Uh, I don't think you should get those if you're just starting out because they're they're not actually going to be what you expect or what you can get used to easily. So pretty much you want to stick to base and layer. And yeah. I'm not sure the difference between those two. There are, some are a little thicker, a little brighter or something, but if you stick to those you can get what looks like a good color and start with that yeah um, absolutely I think and, that's and, you, and you don't want the special effect paints those like blood and guts things that you don't want to use for normal paint you do want a wash which you, you want, want the it. Nuln oil they're amazing
0: it's amazing
1: yeah, it um, and I mean Suresho use a lot too because it's just so good just a bread and butter wash so like sort of the main techniques I think you're gonna use on every model um, you're going to start by spray painting it, probably black, unless it's a stormtrooper. Then then you could paint it white, but yeah, you want to spray paint it. And it takes a little bit of work to get used to the spray painting and make sure you get as much of the crevices and stuff as you can. I like to lay mine down
0: so I can shoot up underneath their clothes because there's going to be like gaps and stuff under there. Yeah, and that's I, I think it's good... It takes a little practice because you can definitely. I, I don't think I've done this on a lot of figures, but you can um, put too much on there. Yeah, that's really which is, easy a, to do. Which you, is a risk. You yeah. have
1: to get used to putting just a real quick, and you have to put enough so that it's consistent
0: and even. Yeah, but it can go overboard too quick, so you have to get used to that. Um, we should back up for a second. You yeah, you spray paint them because I think the right the Citadel paints wherever you're going to put on there wouldn't stick to the plastic that yeah, well. Yeah, it doesn't otherwise. stick
1: very good to the plastic if you try to just paint it straight on. You'll see it kind of. Can bead up a little bit yeah. and not go even, and just um, the spray paint is going to be a lot more even. It's not going to have the brush strokes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so that's the best way to get that base coat, and then now you can paint on top of that black. Yeah. Um, I could go into specific paint names if you really want, but I think I don't think we need. I don't think we need. To yeah, but name, stuff but... that you're going to use on every model, you're going to want. I mean, you're going to want black and. White, though they're not super common, you probably still would want them. You're gonna need a probably a dark gray. I think if you want a model mm, yep, with, yep. with black sections to look good, you're gonna want to highlight it with some dark gray and not just leave it solid black like, mm, like when you spray painted it. Right?
0: Um, There's some, um, uh, two, yeah. What am I trying to think here? I, I, I would say that also, like, don't get too. My, my problem was, as well, like, I would get kind of too caught up in a lot of little details as well. Yeah. So even as you're, like, talking about, like, for me, I, I think, like, because you're going to paint a lot of stormtroopers. Yeah. Like, or a lot of stormtrooper-like figures in this game. If if you're, like, the person like me who I, I'm steadily just painting them all, sort of, yeah. like, very, very steadily. Um, Like, take, in terms of, like, is going to suggest, like, highlighting everything... You're like do, doing a lot of highlighting, right? Like yeah. in steps. And that's something that I kind of learned like over time. Like if I'm mass painting stormtroopers, I eventually just kind of got to the point where I was like, I'm okay. They look they yeah. look good enough for yeah, me, yeah. right? Like, yeah. You kind
1: of have to learn how many steps you want to do. I think like exactly. at a minimum, you've got to paint it the sort of the base color that you want it to be. Yeah And then do a black wash. Um, and probably you should do a little bit of highlighting. It's probably going to be too dark if you just leave it with the wash. Yep. Um, so you can just highlight it again with the same base color you did and that will look fine. Yeah, if you want to put um, Depending on the type of thing you're painting you could do come back with a lighter uh, like I just painted shyla She has like a lot of blue sections. Yep. You can paint it blue wash it back black Highlight it the same blue and then come with a, a really light blue, which is a very small highlight It really makes it look like it's catching the light and then yeah. that already can look really good i can already tell your much your figures probably look way better than mine <laughs> uh, maybe it depends i i like them they're fine yeah so the blacks and grays you're going to use a lot i think pure white you're not going to use a ton except on stormtroopers but um off-whites you will use a lot um like you can get some slightly gray off-whites which is like pallid witch really? flesh what are, you, what are you using those for um, I will use them to highlight like cloth type stuff mm. or even as the base coat on a cloth like on a, uh, on a Tuscan Raider, yeah. uh, I have like a sort of a grayish off-white that I use for sort of their shirt and then I have sort of a tan off-white that I use for their pants Yeah, and they actually look super different, especially by the time you do washing and highlighting and mm. stuff. So those will come up a lot. Um, you can also use them for very subtle highlights on skin. So some skin colors going to be another thing you want for... Like most rebel figures,
0: Uh, a lot of them. That's flesh colors. Once you get that, that's your doorway into a whole lot of other figures. (laughs) Especially like all
1: the the movie characters, which have pretty light skin. Um, On trooper characters, you can paint them whatever color you want. And I think it looks good to have them not all the same skin color. Yeah. And so then you can start using some of the browns. You'll use the browns on also on shirts and like leather belts and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think you Mm -hmm. probably want a couple colors of brown, like a medium or dark and a lighter, lighter almost around. like a tan to kind of yeah. highlight it. Or there's so many figures that have a brown shirt and a brown belt and a different brown belt. And if you can make them all different shades of brown, that can look cool. Right, um, right. You also don't need to have straight different pots of brown though. You can you can sort of fudge it depending on the washing you're doing. And yep, yep. you can do a little bit of mixing and stuff if you want. Oh, let me say this real quick on the mixing. If you... Sure. I, think people should avoid it in general like i find mixing annoying it's hard to get the right shade especially if you're if it's a one-off it's fine but if you're trying to do multiple guys with the same mix that's really hard to do uh you do want to be a little careful when you're mixing um different colors uh it's gonna be like basically if you mix a hot and a cold color they may not it's, it's not like grade school uh, color <laughs> mixing. It may not come out quite the shade you want. Especially, you know, Citadel has lots of weird shades that's a lot of stuff mixed together, together and it may not come out the way you want. But yeah, I am thinking specifically pretty. if you want like, I've got red and I want a lighter red. So I'm gonna mix white with it, but your white is probably a blue based white. So it may come out really pink oh. or weird looking. Uh, God, they're so, man, you know, I, I don't uh, know. So, I, really I mean, it may not come up that it. much, but, you know, you have to be careful, and you might mix a color. I mean, only it's a very, very small amount, so it's not like I end up wasting paint, but it might not come at all the shade you want. So, like, like so like so on the red, if you did want a lighter red, you probably want to mix it with, like, a little bit of yellow or, mm, um, yeah. like, that kind of tan off-white rather yeah. than the gray off-white, because that'll mix better. Interesting. Um, I, it may not even
0: come up, I guess, but you know you have to sort of be careful with the mixing and stuff. That can get weird. It's worth think about. Uh, my my experience so far has been that I try to um, there <laughs> most of my experimentation happens with the because like you said when you're painting multiple figures like it can get hard if you mix the paint. Yeah, and they then don't you, come uh, out the same. Yeah, right. And then you try and remix it again. Um, but at least like for the uh, campaign characters, like they're they're, they're all one-offs. Well, so. and those are the ones I usually find. All right, I've got room to experiment because even if they don't look how they're supposed to look in their picture right no no one knows yeah no one cares about that no one and knows that's that, so.
1: ultimately the thing the colors don't have to be perfect that kind of comes back to what you said about Serastro's videos he says buy these specific ones and you know if you do that'll look exactly correct and that's great yep. but you don't have to either um and when you really get into it i mean you can intentionally make them very different colors i painted onar this year and i was kind of like I don't really want the yellow and black stripes and the yep. orange and stuff, which is, orange is annoying to paint. I hate it. I just <laughs> painted gin. That was a pain. So I painted him. I painted him in brown leathers and stuff and, like, metal plates. And I was like, I actually like that a lot better than yeah, the card. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, there's nothing
0: wrong with that at all. Absolutely. And I would encourage, like, I actually think it's more fun to at least... With the yeah, if you, you get very personalized and kind of try something, yeah, yeah, and like I think I want like for me, I want my Luke to look like Luke, but at least like my own Arnvento and those other characters. They can yeah, look, like that's an opportunity for you just to kind of go nuts.
1: Yeah, and but and even with Luke, there's a, there is a lot of room. Um, mm. His skin shade, his hair shade, um, the exact color of the shirt he's wearing. You can get a lot of different room in there to make it your Definitely. own without looking wrong, and. Uh, so and when I do it, especially when I'm looking at movie characters, but even the uh, original characters and stuff, I will go and do like image searches. I'll download in. I have like One Notes that have um, yep. all my pictures saved that I'm using for referencing. So I pull them up and I look at them while I'm painting. Uh, even if you're looking at movie stills, uh, you may see that they look very different in different shots. Lando, I think, was a really good example for me where. Depending on the lighting, it's like, is his, pant- his pants black or navy blue? Hmm. Uh, is his hair black or just very dark brown? Yeah, yeah, What's the exact shade of his skin, his shirt, his cape? or his shirt and his cape the same? And I don't think there is one right answer. It kind of comes down to you, pick how you want to do it. I end up getting a range of different pictures and I kind of look at all of them and go, well, I think I'm going to do it like this. BT is another good example uh, in the comics. He's been drawn very... He's been drawn <laughs> as completely different droid models, for one. But like, Really? Uh Yeah, if you look up different pictures of him, there's some where his head is a completely different shape, and he has different stripes and stuff. Mm. He's very different depending on the comic. And it's up to you to decide which one you like the best, or are you going to kind of do your own thing? You know, what's... Uh, if you're doing him and Triple Zero together, it's like are they the same shade? Are they a little different? Yeah. You know, the, there's no photographs of them other than some toys that some have made. But, yeah, yeah. You know, those aren't And what, what way are you going to decide to do it? So it's up to you. And I, I don't mean to say that to, like, intimidate someone. Like, it's really hard. Uh, it's kind of freeing. You can do what you
0: want. It doesn't have to be perfect, serastro level. And you know? I, yeah, and I think I was going to try and bring it around to that. of like it, I think it... So when I first started, I didn't even... I couldn't answer this question. But I think it's important to kind of reflect on... What what is your ultimate goal, right? Mm-hmm. Because I will say from my perspective is I started looking for perfection. Yeah. And when I first started, I would screw things up. But I'd be like, oh, like this is so bad, so bad, so bad. And like it, a day would go by or a week would go by and I'd pull them out and be like, you know what, these look really, like, this is really great. Like these yeah. look really
1: good. And Especially at like table distance, you're not holding them right up next to your eye. Oh yeah. So you don't see a lot of those details. And so it kind of comes down to, The level of perfection you want is sort of your comfort level of how much time and energy do you want to spend working on it. I I like to go pretty perfectionist, and I like spending a lot of time on them. If you want to do them really quick, you have to learn to say, you know, these look good enough for me, and they don't have
0: to be perfect, and I've spent the amount of time that I want to on it, you know? Yep. Yeah. uh, One thing I want to touch on before I leave this topic is um, brushes. So for me, in hindsight, I wish I had bought like and maybe you want multiple of these but i yeah. wish i had a size zero brush a size one brush and then like a flat a flat brush yeah. i know i end up. i have ended up owning too many brushes way too many <laughs> brushes because yeah. when i first started i'm like i don't know like do i need a pack of brushes yeah and, and in hindsight i for my painting i almost exclusively use like two brushes yeah all the time <laughs> i think at a
1: minimum you need Two and I'm not super good at keeping track of the standard sizes and stuff. You need sure. a very small one for details and highlighting. You need a slightly less small one for most <laughs> of your base yep. coating and washing and stuff. Yep. And uh, it's hard to find the right size of brush. Even I've bought a ton of brushes and I always go into the store and I look at them and go, Oh, this looks way too small. I'm gonna buy one slightly bigger. No, you just bought one that's way too big. Buy, always uh, buy the smallest yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, you, you want, yeah, it's probably the smallest one or maybe the second smallest one. Um, a gaming is gonna have better selection on that than a Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby, at least you can buy like a set
0: and be like, okay, well now I've got a bunch of different sizes so I'll just try them and see. Yeah. 90% of those will be way too big, yep. but. That that is important to note that. Uh, yeah. Very, I, I always say this, most of the time it's very rare where I wish I had a bigger brush. Yeah, Al- almost never happens. I almost yeah. always wish it was smaller. <laughs> I don't
1: want to say the absolute smallest because there are a few rare ones that are like one hair, and that's too small. Yeah, that's but small. <laughs> but almost the smallest brush is probably what you you'll use ninety percent of the time. And if you are doing a lot of highlighting and dry brushing, uh, that'll screw your brushes up real quick. So you don't want to do that with your detail brush. You want a different brush for that. So mm-hmm. that's the type of stuff you can. Kind of play by ear and see. I, I, honestly, in the long run, your brushes are all going to get messed up, and you have to replace them as you go. That's true. <laughs> but but still, it it helps to not do it super immediately. <laughs> uh, a couple other equipment things I can say real quick too. Um, uh, people are going to want an exacto knife. There's so many paint jobs online that look really good, and but they did not they did not scrape off the mold lines, and it ruins it. Had, no, they don't notice it, so it's what's fine for them. But for me, (laughs) it absolutely ruins the paint job to see this awesome rancor and then this big seam coming down their folds, across their face, Mm. uh, across their hands. Uh, Most troopers, there's gonna be a line going across their head, hopefully not across their face, but sometimes. It goes like across their hair, down their shoulder, and if you don't scrape it off a little bit, it it could be so you need to take your exact knife and kind of try to scrape off the mold line. It's hard to get it perfect because you can obviously like scrape up your model real bad, but. Usually, I think that looks better than leaving the mold line in there, especially once you get to the point of washing and highlighting it. It'll really stand out, and
0: I hate it, and it ruins the paint job. So you gotta. You're gonna gonna hate me. I've never done it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when I first, when I first, well, because Sirastro again suggests you do it, and at first I was, I was too scared. I was like, I'm gonna wreck the model, like. I'm, I'm too... Oh, yeah. That, too that, brutish I'm too afraid. Yeah, that's <laughs> the other thing,
1: too. Uh, so you can paint it, and if you do mess up, it's really easy. As long as you don't glob on a ton of paint, it's pretty easy to fix it. You don't have to, like, completely strip it or something. Sure. Um, so, yeah, let me take a real quick step back on that, too, and say the main technique you're going to need to get hold of, uh, sort of a hang-up as you practice and do stuff is getting the right amount of paint on the brush, basically. It takes you, time. <laughs> yeah, you, when you put it in the, the pot, you don't want to put that much on it. Usually I put a little on there and then I wipe it off. And then I go and I get a little bit of water from my jar and then I mix that into what I put on the paper. and you usually want thin coats if you really want to spend a lot of time on it and make it look real good you'll do multiple very thin coats as long as it's not like watery right. level thin mm-hmm. um you don't want to slather on a bunch and it'll get we'll lose all the detail uh, i have some pictures on line of ones that i painted in middle school of these uh, <laughs> space <laughs> marines that are just these giant globs and there's like no detail because i was using like house paint and stuff and it's like really bad yeah um yeah, so that's one of the main techniques to practice is just sort of how much paint you're putting on there, which it's hard to just explain, but you kind of need to
0: just sort of that, see and that's try what, and get a hang of it. That's another spot where I'd say you know when you're painting that first batch of stormtroopers, just this is the time to get used to what should the paint what should paint consistency yeah. be like, and because right the, the the risk isn't that high, right? You have a you have a lot of them. Yeah. you might even buy more stormtroopers, but mm-hmm. whatever the expansion stormtrooper pack is, so. The, it's okay yeah, to have some failure. There's space for failure yeah, in Stormtroopers.
1: Yeah, and if you're just starting out, I think you'll learn quickly, and you'll probably look back on your first few and think they don't look that good because you've learned a lot really yep. quick. And, yep. I mean, that's just going to be how it goes. But at least, yeah,
0: like Stormtroopers, you have a lot of them, so it's not uh, a big deal. Yeah, and I, I definitely learned it. One other thing I would say... God, we got to get off the top We've been talking about forever. I know. Um, I, I keep thinking of more things to say about it. <laughs> One other thing I would say is do not... I did this, but I... Batch painted my first set of stormtroopers, like, tried to paint them all. Yeah. Whew, you want a way to burn out really quick. Yeah. That's that's a way to do it. I think it's
1: more fun to do one at a time. Yeah, agreed. Way more It's obviously really nice to have a whole squad done, but I would rather have one stormtrooper in the squad done and
0: not hate myself. (laughs) Not hate myself? (laughs) (laughs) So. uh, I will say I will will still paint a squad, but no, I'm never again going to, like, spray paint nine of a finger. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, God, is. Terrible. And that's
1: one thing that I think is actually more fun about the Mercenary and uh, Rebels squads. I mean, they have a lot of heroes and stuff for one thing, which are one-offs, but when you do a squad of Echo Base or Alliance Rangers or something... You have a lot more room to say, okay, these are in the same squad, so they look similar, but I'm yep. going to give these two different coats. Yep. Uh, and that's even in the movies, too. You can look at the indoor troopers and see, oh, this guy had a gray coat, and this one had a camo coat, this one had a brown coat. Right. And they all still look the same squad, their pants is the same or whatever. But you can paint them all a little different and still get a squad done. So that's that can be fun. Uh, I don't know. We could go super in detail on equipment and lots of stuff. but uh, no, nope, we're moving we, on. Yeah, we should move we're on. We're actually running out of time. So we're okay. going to move
0: on. So... We want to talk about sportsmanship last. Yes. Which I think is a great topic.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, it's something everyone needs to keep in mind. Ultimately, it's a game about having fun, right? Good, and, a great, great advice. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you win the game. It's the friends you meet along the way. Or whatever people say. So sportsmanship... uh, That's why we're here right now. Yeah. That's why we're here right now. Yeah, it's definitely important to do it right. Um, There's a few things I wanted to touch on on that. Um, I've been in a lot of games, uh, like when I played at Worlds and stuff, people Mm -hmm. are playing at a very high level. And I think it makes sense. People assume that everyone's playing at a a super high level. Uh, And so I've played a lot of games where um, people assumed I knew more than I did, and... It's mm. uh, so, like, what do you... So, like, uh, you some doing? of the cases that come up a lot would be, like, surges on characters. I honestly don't remember that this character has plus two Ooh, damage, and right. pierce one, and etc. And um, they roll the dice, they go, okay, you're taking seven damage. I'm like, what What are you talking about? I haven't seen... Where's I, I all hate, this other stuff coming from? I hate when stuff we'll do that from? now, yeah. even if I've played a lot, yeah. And I think that's something people can be self-aware of and uh, say, okay, so I've got a Surge for plus two damage. Uh, When I'm putting the dice out there, I also like to, um, other hidden information that could come up would be like, you have your natural modifiers that come up, uh, if I can, I like to put out a dice to the side. They say, okay, this is his natural plus two yep. so that we include it in the total and don't forget it. Yep, uh, yeah. you know, like Luke has a plus one. and yep, I think Put that right. on as a red or whatever. Yep. And um, if your guy's hidden, I like to say, okay, he's hidden, so I'm putting out a yellow with the surge up. And then we
0: see it in the total and no one's forgetting about it getting confused. I yeah. think that's good to do. I, I do think that's a good thing to do. And I also... I will actually agree with you. I hate I really dislike it when people do the like, oh okay, that's nine damage or you know, whatever it's gonna yeah. be. And and I can see why they, they do it they do the total quick
1: and then really think about it, but I think it's just nice to be self aware and be like, Okay, maybe they won't remember this stuff, they won't have played with this character, so just kinda right. lay it all out quick, well, at mean, least the first time. Sure. Yeah.
0: Well and, and for me too, I I actually just like doing it in terms of right, I, I like to let the opponent know that I am doing an accounting like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? it's it's almost like an auditing process. Yeah, of, for sure. This is how I added it up. This is what the surges were spent on. So, because mm-hmm. right there, and we even talked about it earlier. Right there, are command. There are things that come up. There's command cards that get played. There's things they might want to do, and like trying to rush it to the end. I think. Yeah, like it's like just adding unnecessary pressure. I feel. Yeah, sometimes.
1: and when and when I get to the point of adding up all the damage and symbols and stuff, uh, you know, sometimes it's complicated. I've got this extra damage. I said he has plus two, but it's not on the board and uh, also there's a pierce one, and you've got a free surge. Yeah. If, it's, if we can put all, all out on the table and say, um, okay, I'm spending a surge for plus two, I'm just gonna put out a two next to that, or I like to just real quick put out my fingers and put them on the table. So here's two, and I'm doing a pierce one, so I'm gonna use my thumb to cover up one of your damage. Yeah, and yeah. now it's real easy. Oh yeah, so I'm only blocking two, and I'd set this aside. Those are the two you're blocking, so there's six left. Okay, now
0: it's all yeah. clear. I think that's good to do I, if possible. I think so too, and I'll have some people <laughs> this is like a minor pet peeve, but I'll see people who will do like the uh, like if I roll two blocks. Yeah. Like some if someone rolled two blocks to like grab your two damage and move it away, like with that dice. Yeah. Like to take it off the board, and a lot you of times know. I'll a lot of times I'll be like, you know, if I have Pierce, right? Like that's not a this isn't the right way. Yeah, to... Yeah, we're gonna immediately undo it. It isn't the stuff. right way to measure it, so don't don't just pull it off right away because that doesn't make any doesn't make any yeah. sense to do that. <laughs> and how it's, it's gonna work out? If you can do as much of it as visibly as
1: possible, I think that helps. Obviously, everyone kind of thinks about it differently, but I know. If you can make it as clear as possible, that's good. Right, right. Kind of like you said, too, the timing I think is very important to be aware of. Um, I think it's easy to rush through. I you know, I do it sometimes, too, and when I've gone on to the next step, I have to be ready and say, oh, wait, they had a card they want to play, so I'm going to have to be ready to go back and undo what I was just saying. You know, it's not time to go on to surges or something Although doesn't help, it doesn't hurt to be like, oh yeah, I remember I have these surges that I'm probably going to spend because that'll affect what cards you're going to play. But
0: absolutely, um, that's
1: good to do, especially if you're playing against a new player. I mean, nothing's going to intimidate them faster than being like a ton of information coming at them. They don't know what's going on and they just get frustrated. Yeah. So
0: it's just good to be self-aware of you know. Yeah, and I also like that you kind of earlier you brought up right. A lot of people come to tournaments for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Right. And so not everyone is there for. Like I'm really hardcore and I gotta win, right? Like yeah. some, some people are there just to have fun. Some people some people are there, right? Like even at Worlds, I think, in our experience. A lot of people are there because they're there to play X Wing. They also have some stuff for this game. So it's a fun way to spend a yeah. day, right? They have no they have no ambitions about winning. They mm-hmm. right. It's just I'm here, I might as well take the time and play. Yeah,
1: and it's and it's fun
0: to play. Uh and one thing I wanna say about the sportsmanship too, before
1: we get too far into it, a lot of it is uh kind of it's it's not objective stuff, honestly, and when I'm talking about it, I don't wanna make it sound like this is the way you have to play. Uh we were talking before this about in X-Wing there's kind of been a fly casual mantra for a long time, which I think is a really good thing. It's about, you know, be basically be nice and be willing to be a little loose with people if, if they need
0: or whatever. But, um, okay. So just so we back up for a second, right? Like talking about the site, you don't want to tell people how to play, but yeah, right? you and I, you and I are about to talk about a way that we think is, how, how do I want to say this? Like it's sort
1: of my ideal, on. how I want to play, which I think is good. But I also, I don't want to make it sound like you have to play this way or I'm going to be mad at you or something. Like I'm not Ex- going to expect
0: it of you. Exactly. Right? I, I would frame it as this is, and I'm, I'm probably going to agree with almost everything you say in this phrase. So, but or in this conversation. But like the way that to promote maybe the smoothest, friendliest game, these are the things that we would do. Yeah. These are the things that I would support.
1: Yeah, and they're the things that make me feel the most comfortable right. with myself and the way that I played it. Um, so like I, so I, I, first of all, I want to hold myself to a very high standard. I don't expect my opponent to give me an inch. I know that if I miss a timing... Uh, I have to assume that I missed it, and I'll. I like to say out loud because I mean I want to converse with the opponent while I'm playing with them. Right. Like oh shoot, I forgot to do this ability. It's too late though we missed it. And, yep. and yep. when I say that, I'm not trying to fish for them to give it back to me. Uh, I hope it doesn't come across that way, but you know, just I'm trying to chat to them about what's going on, and
0: I like to think out loud and stuff with uh, my opponent. I, I think the I think the same thing, and it sounds like you actually believe the same thing of, that I believe, and that I actually find it. So if someone asked me if they could, let's say they missed an opportunity. So mm-hmm. just for example, right? Luke can deflect attacks. Yeah, can do this deflectability. Um, if someone misses that and I and they asked me if they could do it after the fact, uh, I think most of the time in a casual game, it's the polite thing to do to just let them do it. Yeah, I will probably and, let some, him and do sometimes it. even in like a tournament game or things like that, yeah. where it's more serious, I might let them do it. Um, and I think that's the polite thing to do, but mm-hmm. at the same time i I would also be very. I think it's even more rude for me to ask for a take. Yeah. Like a take. That yeah. Like, I, I, do I don't think he like should
1: expect this. it. It's. I think it's very nice to allow someone to. As long as it, it's not something that's way too late and it completely changes everything that would have happened, then the you just separate. have to be realistic and say it's too late. Yeah. Like you said, if they miss tools for the job and we're already like way past, we've done a lot of other cards and stuff. Right. It's, right. it's really too late to go back for that, but. Luke should have thrown in extra damage. We forgot to add his natural one damage. Okay, yeah, I should take one more damage. As long as it's not like a turn later and all this stuff is happening. But yep, yeah, agreeing. I think I think ultimately it's nice and I will usually let an opponent go back on stuff like that. If if I haven't moved another figure, oh yeah, you can move to a different square. We haven't even got on yet. So, you know, yep. I don't care that you took your finger off the model. Like, you can undo that. Exactly. But right. I sure won't expect them to do that for me and I'm not going to try and... Beg for. It. I'm gonna go. Oh, yeah. Dang
0: it! I missed it. Okay, but that's fine. You know, it's too late. And I, I'll, I'll do the same thing as you. Is I'll have that like out loud conversation with myself of like, oh, rats, forgot to do that. And there's another player who in like the Twin Cities who I play with who he's he's super nice and he'll he'll do the thing where he's like, oh, do you want to take that back? i will be like, no, no, I don't want to oh, yeah, take. I'm like, it Oh like, no. No, no, I don't want to take it yeah. back. Like, <laughs> of course not. But yeah, even just going though further, like the reason why I hate, I don't, I don't, I think it's super rude to ask. Yeah, for it because it definitely puts your opponent in a position of yeah. okay, either you're a jerk because you won't. Yeah, or, exactly. Like you you know their incentive is to win, so they don't want to let you have it back. But now you're putting them in a position where it's like, okay, you're a jerk if you don't let me do it. Yeah, you know? and and, that, and that's made things really awkward. Then at that point, so well, it's like your yeah. your opponent feels bad no matter like what answer they give. Right, they don't they don't want to give it to you because. That's not how. That's not supposed to how. That's not how it's supposed to be. Yeah. And they don't want to say no because that makes them seem like a jerk, and they shouldn't be. You shouldn't be putting them in that position. Yeah, exactly. And then
1: when I'm in a case where I see that an opponent has missed something, there'll be cases where I will remind an opponent of something they don't say out loud to. Depending on what it is. Yep. Uh, in a case like Luke, where it happens every attack, I'll, I'll remind them if it looks like they forgot. You know, that's not a case where they have to spend a card or something, right? right? So. I try to remind people. Uh, obviously, you can be too annoying about it if you're just like jumping all the time. They're like, "Let me play." Yeah, you know, yeah, I was yeah. gonna do that or whatever. But I try to remind people to do that. And um, ultimately, for me, it kind of comes down to uh, what makes me feel dirty or not. You know, if I agreed, agreed. won a match, and I look back and I'm like, "Oh, it's because I knew he was forgetting this and I." intentionally let it go so I wouldn't take the one damage and die. Right. I'm not gonna feel like I had fun. I
0: I feel like I won the match in a a bad way. I want to win it completely cleanly. Absolutely. And and that is how I feel too, right? Like I wanna it it doesn't feel good to win because someone forgot something. Yeah. I think so. Even even if it's not, right, you it doesn't even have to go to the extreme of did I win in a dirty way or like win by that, right? But even right, it's a game of strategy like I'm testing my decision making against their decision making and forgetting (laughs) to deflect or forgetting some other opportunity that and like you said i think it is again i think it says a lot about you as a player and for anyone like the royal royal you as a player um if you're the type of person who's reminding someone who would have forgotten right because Mm -hmm. i I think everyone wants to play with someone that they trust someone who seems trustworthy who is there to have a friendly experience like be cooperative in your competitive experience not necessarily I think it makes Cut the throat.
1: game more enjoyable for everyone. Even when you're playing at a high level, if it's not new players, I think it's nice if people are friendly like that. And I kind of want to say again, you know, this is kind of a standard I want to hold myself to. I'm not going to say people have to play like this or they're bad players. I'm not going to make fun of someone if they were very cutthroat, you know. Right, um, right. And I want to say that because like in X-Wing, like I said, there's the fly casual mantra. There's been arguments before online where people... Came out and said, "Fly casual is bad because it's people telling me how to play." And and, like that I mean, I'm, I I don't think it's actually like that. I think people just have it's just a different perspective type thing. But yeah, I don't want to come and say you have to play like this, or or you're a bad player. I'm going to kick you out or something. You right, know what I right. mean? But and I it, I think it's a
0: good thing to do. I hope people yeah you know absolutely. are more sportsmanlike and it, just give the community. Yeah, you know, definitely reiterate. I don't, I don't think you've given the impression that we're. We're not like dictating on high that that's how you should play it, but again, yeah. it's it's about like if I'm thinking broadly about how to make this game as friendly as welcoming as yeah. conducive to us like building, I guess, a community of players who want to keep playing with each other, right? Mm-hmm. These these are things that I think are good things to do, yeah. Even if they're not, ne- even if they're not, you know, necessary or required, yeah. Right. And I mean, I'll
1: take it a level beyond that too, which I don't expect of anyone, but uh, I get. Really tired of units that if I if I did not have fun playing against a unit I will probably stop using it and I'm not going to expect that of anyone at all. But <laughs> That's when I'm building missing. a list uh, like uh, I have a tournament I'm going after going to after this I was thinking well maybe I should use Ig88 I really like his fix it's cool uh, but you know, when I've played against Ig88 I found it too annoying he snipes and he <laughs> hides and I can never kill him so mm-hmm. I'm like I don't want to do that. To an to opponent, and else, I, yeah. yeah and so I mean, I'm you know I'm normally reducing my chances of winning by not taking the best list, but I'll feel more comfortable mm-hmm. if I'm not playing an annoying list. So I I'll do stuff like that too.
0: I've, I've definitely been there. <laughs> I think
1: <laughs> I, you said it before about Luke too, um, where it's like he can run out and kill stuff, or he can hit someone and hide. I'm like, if that's how he's gonna be played, I don't I don't want to play him. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. do a different list. It feels it know, feels a little bad. Or find something memory. else. <laughs> Um, the only other thing I think I wanted to say about sportsmanship yeah, was, uh, sort of, I mean, at some point there, there will be rules disputes and you think you're right. The other person thinks they're right and you have to resolve that somehow. Right, um, right. I guess my first advice on that, I think, I think you have to give the other player the benefit of the doubt and not just assume they're trying to cheat and like get advantage of you. Yeah. I mean, yep. it's possible they are. But I try to assume they legitimately think it works this way. And I like to have some doubt on myself, too. This is kind of how I always treat things where I know I could be wrong. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'm misremembering this rule. So I try to be realistic and say, you know, I'm not going to get mad about it. Maybe I am the one that's wrong about this. Um, I mean, most rules disputes like that, you probably have to call a judge. And hopefully you have a good judge that, one, rules correctly or you know at least um is nice about it or whatever. Um uh when you get into tricky stuff like gosh is this guy maybe slow playing to get to the uh end of the end of the time limit or something? Right. Um that gets hard. Yeah I I luckily haven't really run into situations like that. Um I mean me, I try to not escalate stuff. I don't want to get mad and like call the other person out and start accusing them of stuff if you have a good judge hopefully they'll realize it's a tense situation and hang around and that can kind of diffuse stuff because the judge is there they're going to jump in if anyone's doing anything wrong but Absolutely. yeah I, it's, it ends up not being good for the terminal environment to like have an argument so um, it's possible the judge will rule against you maybe you'll end up in a lot of cases, you don't know the answer. You'll do a die roll or something and you lose out. Right. And I, at some point, you have to accept it. it. The ruling didn't go my way this time. Unfortunately, this guy got the ruling that helped him, and I kind of got screwed. Uh, but you have to be self aware and try to not get it upset wasn't. about it and make a scene, I
0: guess, you know? Definitely. Okay, Kurt, we are at our max. We're, okay. we're at our max. Time. Yeah, yeah. But this has been really enjoyable, and thank you for being on. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, no problem. It was a really great time, so I will talk to you soon, all right? Cool. Yeah, bye-bye.